This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Amen. Well, if you've been here for the last eight weeks, we've been talking about the different laws of, of the Spirit. And so we're going to hit it again tonight. So turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Every one of those are on our podcast and I've had different ones that have really begun to watch them. A lot of them serve in our youth and stuff, so they don't hear them. We're, we're getting a lot of hits on those, just as far as I think people are seeing biblically that we have something to do with these things. That even in the area of salvation, that Jesus died for every one of our sins, but just because he died for my sins doesn't mean I'm going to go to heaven. Whoa, what does that mean? Well, the only way that people will go to heaven, even though Jesus died for their sins, is to confess him as Lord of their life, to say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want you to be Lord of my life. So literally, that becomes an act of my will or my choice. And so again, so much in the kingdom of God, we have to go ahead and use the stuff the Lord's given us, and we put it into action. If I don't learn to put the things that I learn in the Bible to action, I won't benefit. It would be like every one of us in this room. We're willed some incredible uh, heritage. We're willed some, some great inheritance. But if we never know what that is, it's kind of hard to benefit from it. And so it's like the kingdom or the word of God. I find out what the word says and then I got to do the word. Ephesians chapter 1, begin in verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, when Paul prays these, he believes that believers need to progress toward maturity. And we need to learn to fully appreciate the greatness of God. And in this right here, if you'll notice, he says that he began to pray for them. Personally, when you read this, you can pray this over your own life. You can pray this over your family members. This is a prayer that I believe is important to get on the inside of us. Verse 17. That the God of our, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom right there means practical or workable principles. And the revelation in the knowledge of him. The revelation refers to clear perception. Applicable understanding. How many of you have ever needed understanding in the Bible? Every one of us, there's time we read the Bible and we think, what did that say? What would happen if we begin to pray this and said, Lord, I welcome the spirit of wisdom. I welcome the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. You know, I do that almost every day now. I said, Lord, I, I need revelation in this. I need the eyes of my understanding to come and lighten. And all of a sudden, man, you start reading things just bing, bing. Little words that you miss. They come alive. And so this was a prayer. He goes on to say, verse 18, And the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, 
that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now, when he talks about the eyes of your understanding being lightened, it means that your heart may see the brightness of hope. And, and not only that, that you begin to understand God's investment that he's given every one of us. So it is biblical right here for you to pray. Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. Let me see the word. Let me see the truth. Let it come alive. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. And the word according there means in the same measure or to the exact degree. Which he worked or he brought or exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and might or power and might and dominion. Now when we see the word principality and might and dominion. They are, are terms consistently used for ruling authorities. Remember in Ephesians 6 verse 12. It talks about principalities powers. Who were those again? Those were the third of the fallen angels that were kicked out of heaven with Lucifer. And literally when we see what he talks about here, the, the, the listing of it, even in the spirit realm, there's a hierarchy. And, and this is what he's talking about. The hierarchy of, of these ones that deceive and try to manipulate human beings right here on earth. That's what their goal is. For every one of us. Now, pay real close attention right here. Where it says that, that Father God seated him in heavenly places far above. Jesus is far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And so when you looked at right there, Jesus already conquered all of them. He already defeated all of them. And that's why he's high above all of them. Every one of them. And his name is the name above all of them. Verse 22. And he put all things under Jesus' feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Not to this building. You know what the church is? It's me and you. We're the people. So if we read that right there correctly. He gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church for me and you. Verse 23. Which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all. So his physical presence on the church right now. And so Jesus has done some things for every one of us. And again, if I don't know the authority that Jesus has given me, it's very hard to act on it. Now, remember right here in verse 22 when he says, I've given him the head over all things to the church. Now, with that thought in mind, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And you'll see when we get here, these are, are words that Jesus said. Um, to me, this is, you know, all the Bible is incredible. This, this is a, a great passage of scripture that I encourage you, 
read it in many translations and let this get on the inside of you, okay? Matthew 16, begin with me in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Notice what he says there, who the Son of Man am. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? So we look at this and understand Jesus right here, he gets very personal. He says, who do you say that I am? And the reason this is very important for us to understand is none of us will be grandfathered into heaven, okay? There's not grandkids in in heaven. There's just kids, just children. And the reason I say that is you can't look at Jesus and say, well, my mother said this is who you are. No, I've got to understand who Jesus is, is, and then it becomes a choice in my life. Do I confess him who he is? So here Jesus has the disciples and says, boys, who do you say I am? Verse 16. And Simon Peter answered in him and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah and the son of the living God. He confesses him as Messiah and as divine. Now right there when Peter says that, according to Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, Peter right there, guess what? He gets born again. He confesses Jesus as Lord of his life, and he says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. Now watch what Jesus does after Peter says this, verse 17. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed, blessed. You know what the word blessed means? Happy, fortunate, and to be envied. And right there, Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're blessed, That's what happens with every one of us. And the real blessing of it is this. You'll spend eternity in heaven. Thank you for that excitement. It's good. It's good. Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, to understand what Jesus just said, Jesus is the rock. And the foundation of the church is built on the rock, the Lord Jesus. But he said, I'll build my church, and guess how he'll build his church? He'll build his church with stones Just like Peter became a stone. And he'll build his church of stones. Ones that give their heart to to him. Just like me and you. When we give our heart to him. He said, I'm going to build my church through people just like you. And so literally here on earth, we become his hands. We become his feet. We become his mouth. We become the expression of Jesus right here on earth. You know, the Lord Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love. Do I show that? Now, the interesting part here is also, and he ends and he says, the gates of hell will not prevail. 
And so when he says this, the gates of hell won't prevail. He's saying this, they won't be able to stop my church here on the earth. And they won't be victorious over you ones that are the stones. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord right there with that statement alone. I thank you, Lord Jesus. You said the gates of hell won't prevail. They won't prevail. Now, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Who's the you there? The you is the very ones that he'll build the church with. So when I give my heart to Jesus, Jesus says, now I give you the keys of the kingdom. Understand this right here. The keys denote authority. And it literally is delegated authority. And so throughout the night, you're going to hear different scriptures that'll show everything we do is in the name of Jesus. That's why we've got to get a revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus and when we use that name. So he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now right there, he didn't say he was going to bind and loose for us. He said, whatever you. The word loose there means whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And the word bind means whatever you bind or declare unlawful on earth will be unlawful in heaven. Now, I used to think, I, I, I don't understand, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand what that means. Here's the simplest way I can put it that this has really helped me. The Lord showed me one day. He said, always ask yourself this question. Is it allowed in heaven? Then it's allowed on earth. If it's not allowed in heaven, then don't allow it on earth. Because he gave us the keys of the kingdom. So what, what would be allowed in heaven? Well, think about heaven. When I study the books of the Bible on heaven, sickness isn't in heaven, disease isn't in heaven, people that are full of the devil aren't in heaven, strife, anger, division, none of that's in heaven. So he's saying, if it's not in heaven, then don't permit it here. And you say, well, I don't know that I can do that. Well, wait just a minute. He said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you lose. And so again, he throws all the authority on me and you. And he says, you're going to have to do something about it. And you've heard me for the last eight weeks. There's times in my life in this stuff. In, in, in everyday area, the Lord will say to me, you don't have to put up with that. You don't have to put up with that. And I realize a lot of times we put up with things and we don't even recognize it. You know, in the book of Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, it says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. We either don't have knowledge on who we are in Christ or we don't exercise our authority. And I hate to tell you this, there's sometimes I've become spiritually lazy and the Lord will cause me to go back and read books. And it's almost like it lights a fire in me again. And it's like the Lord says, you know that. Now operate in it. Work in the name of you. Use that name. You're a believer. And understand this. We're believers. We're not beggars. Now through years of my life of studying these, I've never come across the verse until the other day. 
Turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah chapter 22. And when we talk about the book of Isaiah here, there's, I believe it's, it's either 62 or 64 chapters in Isaiah. 17 chapters of Isaiah contain prophetic references to Jesus. 17 chapters. So what the prophet Isaiah did, he prophesied of the coming Messiah. Now understand when Isaiah was, was given the unction by God to, to write the book of Isaiah... Jesus hadn't come yet. Watch this. Woo, this is good right here. Uh, Isaiah 22, verse 22. The key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder. The key. On whose shoulder? Well, if if you look in, in your Bible, I would venture to say right by the word shoulder is probably a little cross-reference. In my Bible, it's cross-referenced. It cross-references me to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So if you would like, keep your place there in Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And let's see who the key that he would put on his shoulder is. Verse 6 of Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful or Counselor. It expresses his ability, his living word, the infallible source of guidance. Mighty God. One translation says hero. A divine warrior. One who has triumphed over sin and death. The next one he says an everlasting father. The divine attributes of both eternity and right now. And then he says, the prince of peace. My well-being, my prosperity, my happiness. Who was he talking about? It's Jesus. This is who Jesus is. So we go back to Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two, And the key of the house of David, I will lay on Jesus' shoulder. Now listen to this. So he shall open and no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. So literally when Jesus does this and what he opens and says no one will shut or what he shuts and no one will open, guess what he's done? He's given us the keys and he said, I've already done every bit of that. I've already taken it. So guess what you got to do? You got to enforce it. How do I enforce it? In the name of Jesus. In the name, in the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. So real quick, with that thought there, turn to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I tell you, I'm going to have you going all over the Bible. And some of you say, well, what's new? I tell you, this is how I study. I just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Man, I'm telling you, it becomes a joy. Now, this is written to me and you, uh, Romans chapter 5. Let's, let's begin in verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned, through the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. 
And there's a nugget for every one of us right there. He said, you'll reign in life. He didn't say you're going to reign when we get to heaven. Okay? Heaven's going to be wonderful. But the devil's not going to be allowed there. He's not going to be allowed to harass us there anymore. But he said, we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Therefore, as one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. I read that pretty fast. And one of the reasons I did that is because even if I read it slow, we would probably say, what's he talking about? What is it? Make some sense out of this. So literally, Paul right here gives us a threefold contrast, okay? The first contrast that he says is first Adam's offense, his deliberate going astray, caused sin to fall upon all men. But Jesus' deed of grace set us free. Second of all, that Adam's sin resulted in condemnation, and death, where Jesus is, his, his brought justification and life. The next contrast is Adam's sin was reflected of disobedience. Jesus' act of grace was obedience. So what does all that mean? When I look at here and, and you put all this together... We're in Adam by birth. Every one of us that are born on this earth, we're born sinners, okay? I become in Jesus by faith. And when I receive Jesus by faith right here, I can live by his redemptive work, everything that he's already done, but I must appropriate everything I do by faith. In other words, I gotta start believing the Bible. I gotta start believing the Word. I gotta start believing that, yes, Jesus died for me. Yes, I've been redeemed. Psalm 107 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so I begin to study the Word of God and I begin to look at the Word of God and then I begin to say, That's me. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I got time to take you to one more passage of Scripture. Go to the book of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. The mo- most of these here, especially Matthew here and John, you'll see their red letter words. It's Jesus talking to us. John 14, verse 12. Most surely I say to you, he who believes in me, he who gives his heart to me, he who gets born again, the works that I do, he'll do also. And greater works than these he'll do because I go to my Father. This was Jesus' words. He said, if you believe in me, you'll do the works that I've done. A lot of times when I look at it, I'm like, whoa, whoa. How could that be? How could that be? Well, look, look at the very next verse, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So prayer offered in the name of Jesus 
has the full weight of his authority behind it. So guess what? When I begin to get over in faith and I begin to understand their power in the name of Jesus, something begins to happen. It isn't, I hope this works, I cross my I get this on the inside. I've got to get a revelation of the name of Jesus. That only happens when I get a hold of the word of God and I start letting the word get on the inside of me and then I start acting on it. And, and I'm telling you, as a believer, you have a right to the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak it, speak it, speak it, and speak it. Now, let me tell you a story, and this is a true story. There was an old farmer in Arkansas. This guy tapped into the Word of God. I mean, he, he began to study the Word of God, and he got a hold of it in incredible ways. He's at his cotton farm one day, and he's getting late in the evening, and he looks, and the storm clouds are beginning to form, and he can tell, man, this isn't good. So he goes home. He walks into his house, and all of a sudden on the TV, he begins to hear weather warnings. Beep, beep, beep. So he goes in there and looks. He realizes, this is the county I live in. They said, you can expect high winds and large hail. He looks at his wife and says, not on our crops. So he says, let's go. They go outside and they stand in front of the clouds. And they said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you clouds won't do that. You will not form hail and wind and destroy my crops. I can take you to Scripture and I can show you. In Mark 4, you can read it. I want to say Mark 4, 49. It's somewhere right in there, but it's Mark 4. Jesus spoke to the wind. He spoke to the sea. Actually, it says he rebuked the wind. He spoke to the sea and he said, peace be still. Now I go back to John 14 and he said, as a believer, the things that I've done you'll do also. And I look at those and I think, oh wait, wait, Lord. Speaking to the wind. Did Jesus do it? Jesus did. So he says in the name of Jesus, you won't steal, you won't destroy Now, he stood on this scripture too, guys. He stood on Malachi 3.11 and he said, Father God, I've honored you as a tither. He said you would rebuke the devourer for my sake. And you would not allow him to destroy the fruit of my ground. So he goes in, eats, showers, and he crawls in bed and he hears it raining and raining and raining. He gets up the next morning gets in his pickup, and he's driving to where his farm is. He says there's branches everywhere, leaves everywhere. Every field he's going to or by, they're laid over, bent over. He wheels into his farm, and every bit of it's standing up perfect. Nothing wrong. And he said if you would have done an aerial shot of it, the one on the east, the west, the north, or the south, their, their, their crops are laid over. He said, mine aren't. 
He said, did that mean God didn't like those other guys? No. You know what he said? Only when we begin to understand our authority. And when he said that, it begins to stir me back up. And again, how many things do we permit? Or, or even like this. A lot of times we try everything in our own abilities in the natural. And as a last resort, we say, well, maybe we should pray. But instead, what would happen if we begin to feed on the word of God and say, Lord, I believe in your name. That I I think when we get to heaven, it's going to be shocking to us when we realize all the authority we had here on earth. And when, when we see that, when we speak in the name of Jesus, that the devils cringe. It literally paralyzes them. But many times we haven't believed the word of God. Not me. This is what the Bible says. And so again, what are you putting up with that you shouldn't be? And I encourage you, begin to feed on the name of Jesus. Begin to feed on the name of Jesus. Begin to feed on the name of Jesus. And something begins to rise up in you. And you'll sense at times when there's authority on you and there's faith on you saying, "Uh uh-uh, not in the name of Jesus. Not in the name of Jesus. Pastor, have you ever rebuked the weather? I have. I have. Did it always work? No. It wasn't because of the name of Jesus. It was because of my lack of faith. I've spoken to the clouds. I've spoken to the wind. I've seen God moving times. And so when I read stories like that, I see these are men of faith. These are men that begin to believe the word of God. And so I said, Lord, strengthen our faith tonight. I, I encourage you. I don't have my keys on you. We got the keys. We got the keys. And right now, right now, you, you may think I'm crazy. I am, I am walking this, this auditorium. And a lot of times I'll go back to the gym and get around our kids' classrooms and our youth. But the Lord has put this on my heart. He said, what are you believing for this month? I said, Lord, I, I, I pray so many people come to know you, Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior this month. So he said, Begin to lose salvation. You begin to lose salvation. He said, what else are you believing for? I said, I'm believing for miracles. I know there's people in our church. We need miracles, Lord. I believe. So I began walking around here. I started loosening miracles. I said, miracles in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You've given me. I, I loose miracles. I loose miracles. And so with me telling you that, guess what? We all as believers, if you believe in his name, he said, the things I've done, you'll do also. And some of you are like, whoa, no, whoa, whoa, that's not me. It is you. It is me. So what we got to do, and then we'll pray and we'll get you out of here. I got to begin to get the knowledge of the word of God. I got to begin to act on the word of God. But I need the eyes of my understanding to become enlightened to the name of Jesus where I said, oh, Lord, when I speak that name, when I speak that name, things begin to happen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.